This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hello, and we are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak for week 17 of the NFL season. And the Saints are opening the new year in Philadelphia. Do you have cheesesteaks ready for game day, Jeff? No. I'm not a Philadelphia cheesesteak fan. No? Um, yeah, I think it's just like I don't do the fake cheese thing. Okay. Um, I actually, I, I've gotten it with like a chicken instead of cheesesteak. Like, yeah. And I found that I like that better. I'm more of a chicken guy. I don't like mystery meat. I've never been a mystery meat guy. You know, I get it. It's like your thing. It's meh. Yeah, I, but it's like sliced ribeye or sirloin. I guess. But I do want to talk about the fact that you began this podcast like you were answering a phone call from your mom. You're like, hello. <laughs> it's, time with my mom. It's me again. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Yeah, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And we will be talking with Dave Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Give us the lowdown on what to expect from the Eagles, even though it's a team that we know so well because every year the Saints go out to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. I don't get it. Um, they have the same experience with the 49ers, but the 49ers usually come here this year. The Saints actually had to go out there, but it's like the Eagles and the 49ers Saints play them every year. I don't know why just happens. And so we'll get into that, but we're also going to get into the injury report. That'll be next segment. We're going to dive into all the updates, some interesting Alvin Kamara news or not news, whatever you want to call it. But first, this first segment, we need to go through the rumor mill on Um. Sean Payton, the Sean Payton news. And it's some new. It's news. It's it's not really news. It's just like it's just a thing that we're bored about talking about nothing. So we're talking about Sean Payton and Tom Brady potentially coming to the Saints. But Pro Football Talk put out a report saying it's quote unquote the worst kept secret in the NFL, and that's not even the first time they've used that phrasing. So they need to stop just like repeating what they're hearing word for word. But hey, you know it's a thing, and it, it could happen. You know, it's almost like I'm hearing an echo. Do we get like the little harp music where it goes like you're going back in time? 
Yeah, what is that? Like the like the like the uh, dream sequence? Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, right. So uh, what what Steve is referring to is earlier this month, I think December eighth or whatever, whatever podcast it was, I went on like a ten minute rant about how the only way Sean Payton coming back to the States makes any sense is if he brings Tom Brady. And rather than just going through it again, here, here's that. We'll just have some fun. What, who's, who's his quarterback next year? Well, so, okay, here we go. There are scenarios <laughs> where I could see him coming back. One is, <laughs> A, the Chargers, who I think are really the one team that I, I think have the assets and the need for a head coach with a quarterback that they think is the future. In it seems I don't like think a that perfect about Arizona. Fit. I don't think that about Las Vegas. I don't think that about Dallas. I mean, maybe Dallas, but I don't think they're going to fire McCarthy. I don't think that about Carolina. But, you know, if the Chargers come in and say, hey, okay, we're two first round picks, you're like, even if Sean did want to come back, you'd be like, sorry, we want the picks and send it, right? <laughs> like, I don't think that him wanting to come back would 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 sway the franchise away from being like, oh, we can get a freaking ransom for this guy? Yeah, Sean, go hang out in San Diego with Justin Herbert, all right? So, like, if that happens, I don't know. I think it might be off the table. But there's one thing that I know to be true is if Drew Brees had retired in 2019, right? Tom Brady would, be, would have been the quarterback for the Saints in 2020. Wow. Drew Brees didn't retire. Tom nope. Brady went and coached the Bucs. I'm sorry. Well... Yeah, went and played for the Bucks, and and there you go. Tom Brady is a free agent this year, and he just got divorced. He's not quitting football now. He's going to play until he's fifty. He's going to try to prove a point. So where is he going to go? Well, he wanted to go to Miami to 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 hang out with Sean. That's not going to happen now. They're not firing this guy. Mike McDaniel has been excellent. Two has been great, right? So that's off the table. So are the Bucks going to hire Sean Payton? I doubt they're going to try to trade for him, right? If you're the Bucks. And Tom Brady really wants Sean Payton. And they're like, we'll get rid of Todd Bowles, but do we really want to give out first round picks to a division rival? No, that's not going to happen. So if they wanted to team up, it would have to be somewhere else. Maybe Carolina. Again, another division rival would have to trade for him. Right? So you kind of look at it. It's like, well, what if these teams won't make that trade? And where, where would it make sense? Well, the Saints are currently starting Andy Dalton. It's not like... You know, this isn't a situation where you're like, wow, I don't know, you know, they're not starting Jameis Winston. So if it ends up being a package deal and Tom is like, you know what, Sean, let's go hang out in New Orleans. And Sean goes to the front office and says, hey, guys, I know you're still kind of mad that I ditched y'all. And, uh, you know, I know it wasn't fun having to figure out this last season. <laughs> but uh, have you ever met my friend, Mr. Brady here? <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, uh, yeah, that guy seems familiar. Maybe we can make this work. You know, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like when you get in a breakup and then you like lose 50 pounds and you're like, oh, yeah, I wish you did. Anyway, that's the scenario that makes sense to me. And so, yeah, it almost sounds like I spoke that into existence, doesn't it? Well, you know, it's it's the world's biggest not kept secret or ever was Jason, Jason Lock and Fora was saying. No, we're not, not Lock and Fora. That's, secret? um, oh, Florio, Florio, Mike Florio. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of F's, F's, F's and L's. Um, you know, you could, you, I'll get, I'll let you get away with that one. Uh, but yeah, it, it's Mike Florio. It's like every now and then he'll just put something out there that's just lazy. And I think this was that. It's like, yeah, anyone, like I, I could guess this. This is not a surprise. The fact that this is a possibility, um, but you know he's going to put it out there, and everyone's going to talk about it. And everyone's going to say, "Well, Dennis Allen is the head coach," and blah blah blah. 
And uh, but yeah, here's what here's what Deuce McAllister had to say on Sports Talk this week on exactly that subject. So what do you make of all these reports and rumors of Sean Payton linking up with Tom Brady and coming back to the Saints? It's the off season. <laughs> well, it's still in season, but yeah, I got you. Well, I mean, that's when rumors start, though. You start, you know, I start leaking stuff to kind of give you something to talk about and to think about, and, you know, you, you, you kind of put it out in the uh, universe a little bit, and so uh, there's probably there's probably some truth to it. How much, we don't really know. Um, we're talking about two, one coach that is under contract and uh, the other, you know, the other team that you're, you're rumored to, co- to come back to, they currently have a coach. And the player, he's currently, uh, he doesn't have a contract next year, but he's currently under contract or at least for the next couple of games. So, uh, you know, there's there's probably some truth to it and probably a lot of falseness to it as well. Deuce, you know what that tells me? Got an agent working overtime. Mr. Wu is working, working overtime. overtime Mike. I mean, he might be he, on regular you know, time. He, he might be on yeah, regular. He's just on regular time. You know, <laughs> let me just drop this story. I'm going to pause that right there. Sean and Tom share an agent. His name is Yee. John Yee. Mike referred to him as Mr. Wu. <laughs> I just needed to stop and, and let us appreciate the, the majesty of, of that mistake. Listen, uh, the way my brain works, yee woo, I, I get it, Mike. It, it might have happened one to me. Syllable, it's a sound fine. Yeah, you know? exactly. One, I would. I, the only way it would have been better is if he called him Don Yeet. Yeet. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. And hey, it was out. It was out last year. You know, Miami lost their. That's first right. Because of it, Miami lost their first rounder because because of it. So it's not like it's not been out before. So I mean, it's basically an agent being able to put it back out there and let people know that hey, look, this is a possibility. And oh, how about this? He can go back to his old team, you know. And they they were rumored to be partners in crime in another city, but why not New Orleans? You know, why why not New Orleans? Well, Don Yee represents both Brady and Peyton. Uh, we know who Don Yee is. We know who Don, know who Don, Don is. Yee is. But correct. Do or you like? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wu, he's working overtime. Okay, uh, uh, sorry, I can't. I'm just giving Mike a hard time. But yeah, so I, I agree with Deuce. Like that's exactly what this is. This is an agent sending out lines because you're getting into f- fire coach territory, fire coach o'clock, right? Black Monday or whatever. And you know, one of the things that I think it was Fletcher Mackle uh, that that put this out, which was like. Silence speaks volumes, and the fact that the Saints aren't saying anything regarding this is an indicator that that they are like silently endorsing this idea. And I disagree with that because, yeah. like, teams aren't gonna do that mid-season. That's how you catch Robert. a tampering charge. Like, you cannot acknowledge like reports that so-and-so player is considering leaving that team and coming to your team, right? That's the type of thing that like the Dolphins got in trouble for. And hmm. not exactly that, but like teams don't acknowledge that type of stuff. And even back channeling it in this case, I think would be detrimental. Like they don't gain anything from doing anything other than going to Dennis Allen and saying, just so you know, this is complete BS, but they want other teams to think that this is a possibility because if a team out there is seriously considering a push for Sean Payton, then you want as many teams in the running as possible. And that includes the Saints, right? Like you want them to be able to maintain that credibility 
in the negotiation process where they're like, well, we'll give you this. And they'll be like, well, yeah, but we can just bring him back. And that's worth more than what you're offering us. So you have to up like they're by not saying anything and by allowing this to exist, they are improving their own leverage. So like I get the idea that, well, they haven't back channeled and said no, but like also like from a, from a leverage standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Now, I think they, I hope, I hope they have gone out of their way to reassure Dennis in this case. So he's not coaching the final two games looking over his shoulder because that's not a situation, whether you like Dennis Allen or not, it's not a situation you want to put a coach in. But I, I, do, I do think it's mostly smoke. But I will still take a victory lap, the fact that I was talking about this like a month ago and everyone's finally getting onto it now. Do you think with the Peyton sweepstakes, I know obviously another name that's been out there were the Chargers. Does them just making the playoffs kind of you know, give their head coach a pass or do I've heard people saying they need to make a, a deep run, like the at least the AFC championship. It's really hard to fire a head coach after a playoff run. Yeah. Now, especially if a team that is not historically in the playoffs every year, right? Like Mike McCarthy is the most likely coach to be fired after a playoff run. And it's because of the expectations, right? Like I'm pretty sure that, um, oh, what's his name? most boring person on the planet, Jason Garrett. I'm pretty sure he got fired after a playoff run. And it was like repeatedly losing early in the playoffs and not, you have this talent laden roster and you're not getting the most out of it. Now, Justin Herbert has never been to the playoffs, right? The chargers don't get to the playoffs every year. So just making it there is a monumental achievement in and of itself. And it is a progression forward. So that's going to make it really hard to fire Brandon Staley when all you can ask a coach to do is to improve year over year. Once you plateau, then you that's that's when you might get fired. But it's going to be really difficult for the Chargers to to drop the axe on Brandon Staley because just going just for example, if you fire Brandon Staley and then you hire somebody and suddenly you regress, then the GM looks like a moron, right? And you don't want to be no one wants to look dumb. So I think there is a scenario where the Chargers go into the first round and they get embarrassed and they look bad doing it, and then you might open yourself up. But like, if they play a competitive game or win the in the wild card round, there's no way you're firing Brandon Staley, even if you desperately want Sean Payton, because not only are you firing a coach after a successful season, which, you know, there's players in that locker room that are, that are not going to take that well. You also give up assets in the process, so you hamstring yourself in terms of, in terms of getting, getting improving year over year, right? You're, you're voluntarily risking a step back. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, and that, and if you, and you, if you eliminate the chargers from the running, that makes, that makes this, this whole Sean Payton sweepstakes a lot less sweeping, if you will. Hmm. That's something that's so, I guess it's brutal. If you're Sean in this deal, it's like, great, I get to go wherever, but you end up hurting your, the team you're going to because of the, of what it costs to get you kind of thing. Because I got to imagine that Peyton's not just a first round pick. You know what I mean? I mean, you're talking about two first rounders and I still would think that you would get a package of something else in there, but you're still, what I'm saying is taking away future capita for the team you're going to, you're, you're hurting yourself in that scenario. And it just, it's, I can imagine it's hard to stomach. I agree. And uh, here's what Jason Lock and Fora had to say. You know, I think I, I, there's a lot of insiders, quote unquote insiders that I hear talk. And it's just like, they're talking to hear themselves talk. I'm one of them. Um, 
but like he's one of those guys that I actually like when he talks, I listen because he's usually on point. And so here's what he had to say on Sports Talk earlier this week. Nothing shocks me in this league anymore. So I just start right there. I preface it with nothing shocking. Anything's possible. And crazier stuff than that has certainly happened before. But I'm not sure that that is really where Sean Payton is. I'm not sure that's where Tom Brady is. There's a lot that's going to have to to play out. And frankly, like, I, I mean, Mickey Loomis is a pretty pragmatic guy, you know? Like, you have this quarterback who's there forever, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You have a coach who was a part of that for a long time who hangs on a little bit longer, and then he leaves. Like, the idea that Dennis Allen or anybody else was necessarily going to set the world on fire in year one, you know? Like, I think you probably need to give that thing more than one season to really know what it is. So, again, I'm not saying it's not happening. I haven't heard that it is. I would not be shocked if Sean Payton sat this whole thing out and well, waited till next year. But we've heard Sean Payton, this goes back to 2006, uh, he'd always reference to Bill Parcells as far as being his mentor and giving examples of his association with Bill Parcells. Then you look at his track record. Uh, you know, you look at a head coach and general manager. It's like a half a dozen teams. So, uh, and you look at Sean, okay, and this is like a head coach, general manager, not assistant. He's been assistant. We all know with the Eagles, with the Giants, and then uh, with, with Dallas. But as a head coach and in charge, look at Bill Parcells. So that's why I think that Sean would be more uh, vagabond type, yeah. uh, like, like Bill Parcells in the NFL. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I just think also, like, let's be real about this scenario. And again, I'm not saying that it can't happen. But so he sits out a year, he comes back to the same place with diminished returns, right? Because of right. some of the trades they've made and stuff. Yeah. Everybody's a year older. The cap situation is just as hellacious as it was when he left. And now we're going to find a way to squeeze Tom Brady in, and he's year to year. He just did Drew Brees tail. You know what I mean? Like he now, I think Tom is obviously being more effective longer, but I just don't know that that's where he's at. Think about how long it's been since Sean Payton, who at his core is a quarterback, who fancies himself an identifier, evaluator, and developer of them, and I would say he's damn good at it. Like, does he want to keep working with 45-year-old guys, 40-year-old guys? Like, even the Denver thing. Like, is his next act trying to salvage what's left of Russell Wilson? Or is it trying to turn Caleb Williams into the next Andrew Luck? Yeah, and I think, so there's two things in there that I that I disagree with. One, the cap situation is actually a lot better than it was two years ago. They're, they're like $53 million over the cap. They can get $38 million under the cap with just simple restructures. So, like, you know, like, if you're looking at it, I mean, two years ago, they were looking at $110 million in the hole and they had to make cuts to to survive that that's not the case now and it's like if you're if you're not looking at it the right way you might think that but whatever two i disagree with the fact that Sean Payton should be considered a top end quarterback evaluator and developer when has he done that he's done it once and it was with Drew Brees a guy he did not draft and had 4 years of of or development before he arrived in New Orleans so, like, look, over the 16 years, other than Drew Brees, did he develop quarterbacks? Absolutely not. They never. It's not like they had, like, they drafted, like, backups. It's, not, it's like you go look at New England, right? Look at 
Jeremy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, right? Matt Castle, guys who started the, or played there and then started elsewhere. That's not the case for New Orleans. They haven't had a single player who a quarterback who like came out of that system and is suddenly like making an impact elsewhere. That's not what they've had. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I agree with him. The fact that like, I don't know if I'm Sean Payton, if I just want to hitch my wagon to another 45 year old quarterback, right. I want to make my, make my way somewhere else. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. It's like, he probably could just show up with Tom Brady and, and do whatever, but I don't know if that's necessarily what he's going to want to do. The only thing I I could see Brady wanting, you know, a lot of people say, why New Orleans? Why would Brady want to come to the Saints? Well, I mean, potentially Michael Thomas, Olave, Rashid Shaheed, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara. I mean, there's a lot of weapons at disposal that you don't have to do too much finagling to add more. I mean, obviously, you got to beef up the offensive line, I think, uh, some more. You still have questions at tight end, although Jawan Johnson has been an emerging star for you. But but you know what I mean? The, there's a lot of weapons already rock. built in for Brady to and Sean to come in. And I, I'm actually more open to it because the more I think is like it's just a plug-and-play kind of scenario. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like If Tom's just looking to win another, you know, then that's all he is right now. He's not looking to build really anything. Yeah, no, he's going to want to go to a, to a tailor-made situation that's ready to win. I'm just not sure if the Saints are that. Um, but either the way. The defense is still up there. We've seen progression these last couple of weeks, you know? Yeah, I think they're a more well-rounded team than the Bucs. The only difference is the Bucs have Tom Brady. Um, Amen, right. And they don't like they don't have an offensive line. Like, you can look at Tom and say he's having a rough season. I look at a team that has no offensive line in front of a guy who doesn't run. But the other thing that Jason said, and we can kind of end on this, is you know, it's not a guarantee that Sean Payton is coaching in the NFL next year. And if he's smart, if he's willing to be patient, and being patient would be the smart move. Because like we said, Brandon Staley's probably not getting fired this season. But he will get fired if next season they are flat or worse from where they are this year, right? And like he also mentioned, so that these evaluations of teams might be going way, way, way up. And so the salary he might be able to negotiate is going to be significantly higher. So... You know, it's. I think that is something to something to keep in mind. Like everyone's just assuming that this trade's going to happen this off season, and it might, it very well might. But I could also come up with a whole lot of reasons why it would make a lot more sense for Sean and for the teams who might want to trade for him to let it play out one more season. So, you know, it's as annoying as it'll be to kind of be sitting around waiting, waiting, and waiting and waiting on news and have it never come. It's something that could very well happen. What if, if if it's not Dallas either that, you know, comes calling for Sean Payton? It ends up being the Houston Texans. I know Lankin Four mentioned, you know, Houston has a dark horse, horse spot. It puts Payton back in Texas again. You know, he's got, you know, some some roots there, at least. I know the talk's always been he wants to move out west kind of thing. But you look at the, the Texans situation, obviously, they've got that trove of picks that they, they receive for the Deshaun Watson deal. And it'd just be interesting to see what kind of package they'd put together. Yeah, so if you're trying to sell Sean Payton on the Texans, the <laughs> biggest sales pitch is we have the number one overall pick in this coming this upcoming draft. <laughs> right, we're not getting right? rid of that one. I mean, you might, right? You might trade out of that spot if your goal is to draft Caleb Williams next season, right? Like, you might say, hey, who wants the number one pick? Give us a ton of picks, right? Give us however many picks you are willing to give us, and we will trade out. So that next year, because we're not going to be a dominant team without a quarterback, we're going to start Davis Webb or whoever, it doesn't matter. But then next year when we're, you know, probably not the worst team in the NFL, 
but maybe picking in the top five, we're going to have all these picks that we can send and go move up and get Caleb Williams, right? So like that's that's where if you're talking about, okay, I want a blank slate with a lot of potential that I can build and I'm not going into a situation where I'm already operating at a deficit because we had to trade all these picks that we didn't have. Like, like the Broncos, for example. If Denver wants to make that trade, they're going to have to send out basically everything they have left they don't have a ton to work with but they do have a first round pick this year they have two second round picks you know next year right and so like but if you go do that and if you take over and and do and as like and forest said try to salvage whatever's left of russell wilson's career you're doing that at a deficit you're doing that without draft picks to build and you're doing that without a ton of money and like you know in the coffers because you're paying an insane amount to russell wilson so like if your goal is to develop and maintain a competitive roster for the next five, 10 years, that's not where you'd go. If your goal is to try to win a Super Bowl in the next three years, maybe because you need a quarterback to do that. So it's really just a question of what Sean wants to do. And I, but I don't think that going back to the saints, like going back to the saints and bringing Tom Brady with him is just more of what you saw at the end of Drew Brees' career. It's like, we want a Super Bowl, and this is how we're going to get it. But it's not roster building. And the Saints aren't good because you go, you, the teams aren't good for a long time because they keep going all in, right? They're good when they build through the, through the draft. And so, I, I don't know. It's really just a question of whether Sean wants to build a team that way. But if that is the way he wants to build a team, he, there's nowhere better than Houston, where you're going to have assets and a blank slate and an owner that's going to let you do whatever the hell you want. That's what I think about there, too. It's like basically... I'm going to get out your way, Sean, work your magic kind of thing. And you, I trust kind of deal. Totally. Like, yeah, carte blanche. I can do whatever I want. Well, that's like Denver. They're basically saying, we're going to hire a GM, but you're going to answer to me. Like, (laughs) he's just a figurehead. Don't worry about him. (laughs) Basically, Dell Demps. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. And we'll, we'll get into the injury report coming up here. And then we're going to talk to Dave. Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast, to give us the lowdown on who CJ Gardner-Johnson's yelling out of practice these days. Oh, wait, nobody, because he's not there. Sorry, CJ. I love you. All right, stick around on Inside Flex. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And, you know, it wouldn't be a Saints football week without a host of new injury questions to talk about. And that's what we got this week. Steve, I, I haven't been out there, full disclosure, I haven't been out there all week because I've been dealing with this some 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 illness. Let's call it an illness because that's what the Saints are going to call it. If I was exactly. on the injury report, I would be listed as did not participate with an illness. And that's where I will leave it. But Steve, you've been out there. And what have we seen over the last two days um, at Saints practice? I guess you could say it's more obviously, well, yeah, who you have seen a big return, obviously, is Chris Olave, who's been dealing with a hamstring issue. He's not a full go yet, but a limited Wednesday, limited Thursday. Hopefully, we could see a full by Friday. But I even think, Jeff, if he's limited again Friday, there's still a good chance he could be game day ready. But I, the way they've trended with injuries this year, that might be a sign, though, that he won't be back and they could shelve him. So I'm really not sure what to think of Olave heading into this week. Obviously, if he's a full tomorrow, I'd say no doubt he's back on for Sunday's game. But if he's limited again, that's obviously not a guarantee. 
Yeah, and so last week, both he and Pete Werner were DNPs all week, so it was pretty clear they weren't going to go. This week, I think it's going to be questionable, and you're going to see on game day how they're feeling. But, yeah, I think Alave is a guy who you really want to have out there. You know, and the thing is, like, the emergence of Caden Ellis has made Pete Werner's absence more more palatable. Like, you can survive it. Whereas Alave is, you know, as, as great as Rashid Shahid has been, I don't want him being the wide receiver one if you can avoid it, right? I, I like what he can do, but I – I also would like yeah. to see Chris Olave out there. But let's just go down the injury report uh, well, one time. You, so You mentioned Ellis, too. I got a little word because he's on there, but he's a full go. Yeah, he's got a hand injury, right? And so, like, but hand injuries usually won't keep you out of the action unless it's significant. Like, Marshawn Lattimore played with a hand injury last year. He played with a broken thumb. He just put a cast yeah. on it. He might not be catching interceptions, but no one is catching interceptions anyway. So, oh. as you mentioned – Caden Ellis is on there with a hand injury. Justin Evans, he left week 16 with a shoulder injury. He is on the injury report with that injury. He's been limited the last two days. Marshawn Lattimore, limited again. He's been limited for like the last 17 years with with his abdomen injury. Still limited. Marcus May, shoulder injury. He's DNP the last two days. Feels like you're going to be without him again. It's been a really difficult season for him from an injury perspective. Mentioned Chris Olave. He's been limited the last two days with the hamstring. Andres Pete dealing with the ankle injury. He's been DNP both days. I would be surprised if he gets out there and it's just another another injury plague season for Andres Pete. He was, Brian he was a definitely in a lot of pain on that game. He, yes. You could definitely tell he was really hurting from whatever. I think it was the left ankle. Yeah, but he, and he went into it with – he's dealing with an illness, which right. I, I don't know if, what illness causes ankle injuries, but it seems like they they have been contagious for the Saints this year. Ryan Ramchek it was a DMP on Wednesday, limited Thursday with an illness. Dwayne Washington still out with an illness. Migraines. With migraines. And then Pete Warner, hamstring, limited the last two days. There's one player I did not mention there, dun, and it dun. is Alvin Kamara, who is listed with – a quad injury, and he's missed the last two days of practice, but it's also listed as a personal thing. And here is what DA had to say on his absence when we asked him about it on Wednesday. Well, look, I'll just say I don't want to get into his personal business. I'll let him, uh, you know, say uh, what he wants to say about it, but he was he was not here today due to a personal issue. Whatever no that mention means. About, yeah, and no mention about it. You know, he's also dealing with a, a quad injury. Right. He is listed with an injury. <laughs> Which is strange. It so is. is it personal or is it an injury? Like, would he be practicing? I, I don't know. But he also scrubbed his Instagram. Nothing on it. Whatever you want to take from that. I have a feeling it's court-related, right? Like, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's not a great look. The good news is that if it is personal, missing practices isn't the end of the world. And he could still – he could DMP all three days and still play if the quad injury isn't deal, anything he's dealing with, Right. But it's still not what you want to see three days before the game. No, it's been a really odd season all around. And just, you know, the latest chapter here with Alvin Kamara, it's it's definitely a question mark. But, yeah, I think if he comes back for you Friday, you know, and is able to practice full, you obviously feel better about going into the game. You know, he knows uh, the offense, I would, I would think, inside and out kind of deal. But, yeah, I mean, this is – this is a pretty big one. Uh, I mean, they all are every, every week, but uh, the, the team's on a roll and they need one of their top weapons to try and take down the top team in the NFC. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not, if it is a personal thing and he can it, like, he doesn't even need to practice as long as he's in communication with the team and he's going through meetings and stuff. And we don't know if that's the case or not, but 
we'll find out more tomorrow, obviously. The funny thing is if you go down the Eagles injury report, <laughs> this is like you want to see what 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 you can do when you're 13 and 2. They have yeah. listed there's 15 players on here. Eight of them were listed as getting rest. Oh, isn't that nice? Getting rest. And then all eight of them today were listed as limited. So they've they're 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 making sure that they're feeling good. They're getting their naps in. The big concern oh. I would say for Philly is uh AJ Brown. Yeah. So yeah, there's a well, few quarterback a few, too. He is also listed as knee slash rest. So whatever that means. But yeah, AJ Brown, it wasn't a bad hit that he took. I, I was watching that live and he didn't look you know, it wasn't it was the type of hit that you see and you're like, oh man, I hope he didn't blow out his knee. Like it was it's okay. that type of hit. And yeah. he he came back and he played in the game. But you know, you, you never know when it's like, oh, well, he's gonna go for imaging, he's gonna have like a slight tear in his in his MCL or something like that, right? And he might, he might be trying to play through it, like Alvin Kamara did a few seasons back. Like you can do that if you're if you're willing. But yeah, so that's something. He's listed with a knee injury, he's in limited the last two days. Defensive tackle Jordan Davis, highly drafted rookie. He's been dealing with a concussion, but he was full in practice today. So it's likely he's on the field. Jalen Hurts, quarterback, DMP on Wednesday with that shoulder injury. It's the right shoulder, so it is his throwing shoulder. They specified that in the injury report, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then he was limited today. It's his first day back at practice in a couple weeks. So, you know, maybe it's a smoke screen. Maybe, maybe he's not going to play, and it's still going to be Gardner Minshew, but it just means that the Saints have to – plan for both eventualities they don't have a choice and obviously you know Gardner Minshew next man up mentality but he's obviously not that level of an MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts but we saw him able to put up points against a, a uh, Cowboys defense that's not bad at been, not been bad at all this season now Gardner Minshew is is more than capable of winning this game for the Eagles yeah but I do think that Jalen Hurts does things specifically that the that the Saints really struggle to defend and so if you're the Eagles, you would much rather even if even if Jalen Hurts is limited from a throwing perspective, his his ability with his legs and the way he the way he stresses the defense, the Saints specifically, you know, I think it it's you would if you're the Saints, you'd much rather see Gardner Minshew. And I think that oh. tells you what you need to know from uh, absolutely. The I just I wonder, are they gonna risk the throwing shoulder getting damaged further? And I know this is right. an important matchup for him, obviously because you want to lock up that one seed. And if you do happen to drop this game, suddenly you got your little, you know, butt cheeks clinched a little tighter having to face the Giants in the finals because it's a division game and you know the Giants would love to 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 mess with Philly. Yeah, we're going to talk to we're going to talk to Dave Spadaro and he might be able to let us let us in on just how tight those butt cheeks are clinched these days. But let's let's go down. So obviously Lane Johnson's another one right tackle. You know, he might be out for the year. He's dealing with a groin injury that's significant. He's been a DNP the last two days. He will not be playing. It's a big um, loss. We can say that right now. Avante Maddox, cornerback, toe injury, DNP on Wednesday, but he's not listed with any designation for today, which I don't know why. Maybe they just maybe it was just a typo. So we don't know. But yeah, that's their that's their injury report. Miles Sanders is the other one. He's right. dealing with a knee injury, DNP on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. So, so the Eagles, everyone's dealing with injuries at this time of the year. It's just, you know, it's, it's a matter of how well you handle them. It will be interesting if Alvin doesn't go, how the saints kind of um, manage that because right now, David Johnson would probably move up to RB one. Yeah. Or we maybe, maybe Washington this, forever. Yeah. Dwayne Washington. I would be surprised if he gets back on the field, but you know, so is it the, Eno Benjamin game? Do you just, do you just put Eno Benjamin at RB one and let him go and keep 
David Johnson at their RB2 slot. That's what I would do personally, because I think you've got yeah, enough time to learn the offense. And I, and I think you want to see him featured over these final two weeks, if possible. Even if it's not this week, I would want to see it next week. So kind of figure that out. Do we get it to see some uh, Kirk Merritt at running back? I don't think you see Kirk Merritt at running back, but you might see him at wide receiver. <laughs> like I don't think you need an extra running back. I just think it's a question of how what you how you split up Eno and David. And I would like to see Eno be featured over David being featured because I've you know what you need to know about David Johnson, right? But I don't think like Kirk Merritt at running back was just a uh, was a training camp experiment. We, I, I would think we'd see a lot more Taysom though too doing doing his thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to see Taysom. But again, like we've said this before, he's not a running back. He's not going to line up under center. Or he's not going to line up behind the quarterback and take a handoff. No. You need a running back to do that. So, like, you're going to see a lot of Taysom, and you might inco- you might use more Taysom than normal in his role because you don't have the running back to take up a lot of that. But you're still going to need a featured running back because that's how your offense works. You know, I'm typically – I'm not a fan of, you know, the two-quarterback system, but it, I feel like it really benefits the Saints. Taysom gives you that change of pace from a reliable Andy Dalton who doesn't get rattled by getting a little out of rhythm, rhythm just, just because I guess he's not really in a, a, a really a groove ever. Because but, you know what I mean? Rattled? Is that the change of pace? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, it, it, I, I, I like the heavy mix of Taysom in there with, with Andy. Well, I do think that if you if you had, you know, there's a few things that you can say Andy Dalton has done well this year. You know, he's completed a lot of his passes. He has a high completion percentage. He's played well on in 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 big moments to an extent. Like he obviously hasn't led any game winning drives or anything like that. But you know, third and long, third and mediums, he's been efficient. Um, but the other thing he's he's done well is he and Taysom have, for the most part, meshed well in yeah. those in those games where he's constantly coming off the field, it's not an easy thing to do, right? Like it's not something that these quarterbacks, especially NFL quarterbacks in college, maybe, but in the NFL, you know, it's not something you're expecting, you know, to, to be like, Oh, I, I, I completed a nice ball. I'm coming off the field or I'm, I'm lining up out wide. Like, like Drew Brees got used to it over the last few years of his career. Jameis did it. Okay. You know, we never really saw like them fully, fully unleash it with Jameis, but I think Andy has, has done a good job uh, as you've, because I mean, this this is a lot. This is the most we've ever seen the Saints' starting quarterback come off the field or come out from behind center in games, right? You never saw this type of this this amount of it with Drew. You saw a lot of it, but you didn't see it consistently. You're not talking about like nine carries for Jason from the quarterback position because they've all been from the quarterback position. So yeah, I mean, I think that's something Andy has handled well. Yeah, like I said, I I don't know. It just it's the the flow of it seems to work. I just, for some reason, feel like that we could even have more Taysom. I guess I'm being greedy, but I want I want more Taysom. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Walken more wanted cowbell. more cowbell. Yeah, yeah, I need more. I need more Taysom. Well, at a certain point, you're just starting Taysom, right? <laughs> Taysom's the quarterback, um, and maybe he should be. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, I think you should have just played Taysom the entire game against the Browns. I don't see why. Like, I don't, I don't see why switching helped you in that game. Like, I think Taysom should have just been the quarterback. Um, but I think that's something that, uh, you know, makes it a little more difficult. With Dude, this, this you should know by, by now this this coaching staff definitely has a love affair slash infatuation with Andy. And I think that's that's just their dude. Can't I can't I can't argue with that. It, All it, the that's evidence what it really just seems like, you know, yeah. 
I mean, all the evidence points to that being this being reality. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge it because at this point <laughs> there's nothing to challenge it with, but all right, that's the injury updates heading into week 17 saints playoff hopes on life support, but they still do exist. <laughs> saints need to win this game and then hope for some help from the Panthers. But you know, I mean, it's like, all you can do is go win your game and see what happens. And you know, if you can go down there and beat the e- go up there, I should say, and beat the Eagles. That's still like, you're still talking about a huge win and a huge momentum boost and a huge confidence builder for this team. And if Dennis Allen is your coach next year, this is the type of game you're going to look at and be like, okay, well, this is what this team can do is to win this game. So that is something. And we're going to talk a lot more about the Eagles and what to expect with Dave Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast. That's coming up next segment. Stay tuned. Check it out. Hit the subscribe button. If you haven't yet, you're dead to me. Just kidding. Just do it. No, we don't have to keep having you. All right. Stick around. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller, getting y'all ready for the Week 17 showdown with the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that it seems the Saints play every year. We've still got to get into it. So as promised, we have Dave Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast, to give us a breakdown on what the Saints can expect this time around. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, it's been three straight years that the Saints have played in in Lincoln Financial Field. So I know everybody who's making the return trip knows their way around the city, knows where to get the best cheesesteak, knows where to have the best conversation about sports, and uh, knows their way to the stadium. Um, And the first two games in in 20 and 21 have not gone well for New Orleans. So uh, we'll we'll see if three times a charm for the Eagles. Certainly a lot of stake for the Eagles in this one. They've played so many times in a row that we've gone from the Saints being the really good team in this matchup to the Eagles being the really good team in this matchup. Like, it's it's cycled from top to bottom. It's kind of wild when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And that, that's true because 2020, the Eagles were winding down the Doug Peterson era. They were yeah. just transitioning to the uh, Jalen Hurts at quarterback era. And we really got a glimpse then of just how potent the offense could be. Obviously, 13-2 and has been a remarkable season for the Eagles and – Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate, as well he should be, with an incredible season that he's had. That's the big question, obviously, that Saints fans I know all have is, are we going to see Jalen Hurts on Sunday? It seems he was back to being limited at practice Thursday. It looks like he's trending in the right direction. And from what I've heard, too, the, the whole plan is right now with that one seat on the line, they're looking to win it and wrap it up right now. Yeah, I mean, if Jalen responds well after practice overnight and comes back and goes full on Friday, then it would be a a good assumption that he'll play. So I still think at this point it's very 50-50. They do have a lot of confidence in Gardner Minshew. He threw for 355, two touchdowns, two interceptions on Saturday in Dallas. Um, But the fact that Jalen was out there on Thursday was pretty remarkable. I don't think anybody really expected it. There is absolutely urgency to win this football game. It will clinch the number one seed of victory, gives the Eagles an opportunity to rest their players in week 18 and get a bye week after that. So that's something that this team really covets. There are some older players on this team that could really use it. We haven't had a bye week here. Let's see, the bye week was week seven. So it's been a a lot of football, a lot of weeks in a row of football for the Eagles. Yeah, and I mean, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. By the time this posts, 
depending on what the Cowboys do, the Eagles could have possibly locked up the NFC East if the Cowboys lose to the Titans on Thursday Night Football. I guess I wonder, is there any... Is there any nervousness around like, oh, wow, this team is 13 and two, but like if they don't find a way to win this game, they're going to go into week 18, not only not having locked up the number one seed, like if if they lose to the Giants, all of a sudden they might not even host a playoff game. Like, does that creep in at all? Or is it kind of like you're, this team has been so good that it just doesn't even compute that way? Yeah, I mean, Jeff, this team is so good. It doesn't compute that way. This is okay. a really confident team there. They haven't been winning by flukes. They haven't been winning by late field goals. They're not winning by one possessions. They're romping teams, and um, they are a competitive team. They are. They've got great chemistry. There's an enormous amount of talent, and uh, they know they're a very good football team. And when you know you're a very good football team, I mean, they were pissed coming out of Dallas. They lost a game where they had two ten point leads. They turned the football over four times. The Cowboys converted a third and 30 play, which never happens in the NFL. Yeah. And the Eagles were really kind of just, yeah. yeah, they were, were kicking themselves after, you know, leaving uh, AT&T Stadium. They shook that off. So they're all business, and they don't take the Saints lightly. They've been really remarkable. You know, during the course of a season, you see teams generally go up and down, and they play some really bad games. There have been very few times when the Eagles have played poorly this year. So, And the only thing that's really hurt the Eagles, certainly offensively, has been the turnovers. They had four against Dallas. They had four against Washington. They lost both of those games. They had three against Chicago. The offense stuttered and sputtered and, you know, eventually won out. They had two against the Colts and it needed a fourth quarter comeback. But otherwise, the offense has been like a highlight film up and down the field. How do you want to, how do you want to get beat today? I mean, do you want to try to play coverage? Okay, the Eagles will run for 350 on you. They're, or whatever, you know, they'll run for these crazy numbers on you. You want to play stack the box, they'll throw for 300 yards on you. They're just a really versatile team um, uh, that is, I just don't think, going to take the Saints lightly. And, look, the Saints could come in here and play a great game and win, and the Eagles know that they, they go to the following week and they win a game and they accomplish their regular season goals. So to answer your question, no nervousness, excitement, and um, I think uh, very much looking forward to getting rid of that loss, that taste of that loss in Dallas out of their mouth. Yeah, you, when you talk about those the giveaways the last couple of games, what what's happened? Like, like, like there was such a huge turnaround from the beginning of the year when the Eagles were stingy at giving the ball away, one of the best. And the last, I think, what is it, three or four weeks now, they've been at the bottom. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to go through cycles. It happens to every team. Um, I think that maybe Eagles fans got lulled into this thing where they thought it was going to be a blowout, a blowout, a blowout. And it was almost like a weird complacency among the fans. Like, gosh, oh, this is boring. The Eagles are up 14 nothing. Oh, 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 it's 21-7. Oh, it's 24-7. That's just not the way the NFL works. And um, a lack of concentration. You know, there, there's good teams. Teams figure out how to play you. They've been a bit sloppy with the football. Uh, Nick Sirianni said that they're going to coach it differently this week and really emphasize – ball security again, which they did after the Washington game. And then they went on another run. So uh, we'll see. But um, certainly they've been a, a runaway leader in the turnover ratio throughout the season. Now all of a sudden they're looking up at the Dallas Cowboys. And and as we know, the NFL is all about stats. You can pull them out of every corner of the universe. But one that really means something is the turnover ratio. And when you are on the positive side of that, you win football games. And as the Eagles have found out, when they're on the negative side, it's been a whole lot harder to win. 
Yeah, you talk about the turnovers and obviously a guy who had a lot of them. And hey, maybe that's part of the story is he a guy who has six interceptions is not available for the last month plus. CJ Gardner-Johnson doesn't look like we're going to see him this week. They didn't open his his return to practice window. Uh, and I'm sure that wasn't a decision that went over well with CJ based well, on what I know about him. Yeah, what has he kind of been like? How has he kind of acclimated? Because fans were a lot more upset about the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade than trading away next year's first-round pick because, <laughs> like, that was a giveaway. And, and so how has he acclimated, obviously, beyond just the interceptions? Yeah, it's interesting, though. It doesn't seem like it's really hurt the Saints from a secondary standpoint. Dude. New Orleans' numbers are still really good defensively and certainly against the pass. He made the transition from nickel cornerback in New Orleans to starting safety in Philadelphia – Came in, learned the defense really quickly, much more athletic than what the Eagles had previously. They were terrific with him in the lineup. And the takeaways really have fallen off since he's been out of the lineup, suffered that lacerated kidney. CJ, as you guys know, I mean, he's a really animated guy. Um, He's a very colorful young man, really has fun with the game, Uh, is a very good football player. I think the plan is to ramp him up get him ready for the playoffs. Right. And that would be a big boost to the Eagles. They could really use C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Whether he comes back here as a nickel cornerback or as a safety, his ability to get to the football is terrific. He's fit in really well with his locker room. I think he likes the culture up here a lot. Look, when you join a team and all of a sudden you start the season, what was it, 8-0? Um, yeah. Everybody jumps on board and loves that. So we're looking forward to getting him back. Really like him as a young guy. And I think it's – his enthusiasm is contagious. He's got a lot of style. He plays the game the right way. And, um, you know, I really know he, I know he enjoyed New Orleans a whole lot and was stung by the trade, but it's business in the NFL, and, and the, the Saints feel like they can build for the future and that they had replacements for him. And by the numbers, your defense down there has been really good. Yeah, everywhere but interceptions where CJ has two more than the entire Saints team, and he hasn't played in a month. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, know, and, that, and look, that can be pass rush too. I mean, there's a lot of factors. Marshawn Lattimore yeah. has been hurt. So, but yeah, but Which certainly he has Lattimore kind of the same injury as CJ Gardner Johnson. Oh, I didn't really know what we had an abdominal injury or some sort of a hip injury or something. Yeah, abdominal lacerated kidney. Oh, he had a lacerated kidney too. Oh, gosh, yeah. man. Ouch. It looked so painful when CJ went down against the Packers. Yeah. I mean, you could just tell, like, ah, a lacerated kidney. Yuck! I know the game's physical, but you have to be that gross. That sounds awful. Yeah, and one of the things that that DA told us, and that makes sense, is like, or I think it was actually Chris Fischard who said this, is it's not even like back to being healthy to the point where you can get on the field. It's like back to being healthy to the point that you can take a hit in an NFL game when you have like internal organs that are damaged. And it's like, yeah, that's tough to to gauge, right? (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, um, he's healthy now. He looks great, uh, but it's now a matter of getting back into football shape, yeah. and he should do that for the postseason. Sticking with the defense, you know, obviously the big focus is the the points that that Philly can put up. But man, the defense gets after the quarterback, obviously um, with those sack numbers, and just adding to the defensive line too was so key. I know for the team for this final stretch and heading into the playoff run, just um, who's really been the standout on that squad? I know uh, Reddick's got the been the team sack leader, but like as your your vocal still leader of that squad, the one the one really manning the ship for them, I guess. I'm not sure there's one guy because, you know, I think, first of all, from the pass rush standpoint, I think what's key is that it comes from so many directions. They've got Reddick with 12 and a half. Hargrave's got 10. Sweat, I think, has 10. Graham has nine. Cox has six. And 
when you have multiple threats, it's really hard to account for all of those pass rushers. Then they get run on in Houston. Washington runs on them and beats them. So they go out and sign Linval Joseph and Indomitus Sue. So two veteran, two leader guys. So there's a bunch of leaders in this in this defensive line group in front seven. And I really think the one who's playing the best, I think, is probably Josh Sweat. He's been great in his fifth season. He had an interception and pick six last week. And he's rangy, bends really well. He gets to the quarterback. He's played the run. He sets a good edge. Uh, just a, 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 a one time in his life, a, a five-star best in the nation by one recruiting service. High school football players suffered a gruesome leg injury. You could see him kind of dragging that leg around early in his career, but he's really come on. And they're gonna they're gonna put pressure on Andy Dalton on Sunday, no no doubt about it. Um, uh, they know the challenge is Alvin Kamara. They know the challenge is Taysom Hill. They know that you've got speed down the field, um, but they feel like if they can get to the quarterback as they try every week, um, and they lead the league in sacks, that that really sets the tone for the defense, and that those takeaways will start to come again because as we all know, they come in bunches. Yeah, so th- this roster, one of the things that kind of stands out to me, and I think it's impressive for a team that's this good is how many of the players on this roster and key players weren't drafted by the Eagles. They were either acquired by trade, they were signed. You know, obviously we talked about CJ, a guy like A.J. Brown, who, you know, that's a big trade. And a lot of times you don't know how somebody's going to transition from one offense to another. He didn't miss a beat, right? You talk about Indomitian and Sue, Linval Joseph, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. These are all guys who were on different rosters just a few seasons ago. And for them to all kind of coalesce into a – not just a good team, a great team, this quickly yeah. is very impressive. And why do you think that is with this group? You know, I, I give Howie Roseman, the general manager, a lot of credit. He killed it in the offseason. The Eagles made the playoffs last year. They identified their weaknesses. They manipulated their salary cap really well. They went out and in free agency got Reddick. In free agency got Zach Paschal, their fourth wide receiver. Uh, they get Kaiser White. For a one-year deal, he starts at the outside linebacker, offside, off-ball linebacker. He's had a really good year. They draft Jordan Davis in the first round. He's made an impact. They get James Bradbury, yep. cornerback, after the draft, and on and on it goes. Hmm. I don't know. You know, they, they they identified players who could fit in the system. It's one thing to go, okay, these are talented players, but sometimes those players don't fit in the system. So they, they identified players who really like to play football, who they felt could fit into this culture, for Reddick, for example, it was a return back home. He grew up in Camden, New Jersey. He played football at Temple University. Coming back home has been great for him. Um, and then they're just really high-character guys who just fit the X's and the O's and the demands of what the offensive and defensive schemes ask. And it's it's just all come together. You know, look, we won a Super Bowl here in, in 2017. You kind of get the, the pattern is there's definitely luck involved. But it's a lot of chemistry. It's a lot of selflessness. Um, it's a lot of everybody kind of making sure that they know their role and they star in their role. And that's what this team has become. And then you just get the really high end talent. I mean, when you put uh, AJ, AJ Brown with Devonte Smith, you go, wow, this is like two lists. It's what the saints envisioned when they traded with the Eagles, got the first pick got to Chris Olave and hoped that he would pair with Michael Thomas. You have two number one receivers they're unstoppable. I mean, they, there is nobody has been able to stop both AJ and Devonte in a game. Um, they've been able to take one out, maybe, but not not both of them. Not tight end Dallas Goddard. There's, there's just it's just a collection of great talent, really selfless guys, and 
and everybody's just kind of rolling in the right direction. And here we are. This team's 13 and two with a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC. No guarantees, of course, in the playoffs, but it's a very good football team top to bottom. And if they can go into the postseason healthy, they're going to be tough to beat. So obviously Sirianni won over fans immediately, basically there, getting the team year one to playoffs and now even looking, you know, even a more fearsome unit now. Was the feeling initially as as Warman, you know, as uh, optimistic maybe? Yeah, I figured. Please. Philadelphia? <laughs> so the, he has his first press conference, okay? This is during COVID. He's, he's in the auditorium by himself. He's the guy's first-time head coach. He wants to thank everybody in the world, right? right? If we were hired as head coach, we would want to thank everybody in the world. So he's in an auditorium. He's looking up at this big screen with a bunch of ugly media guys like us. And <laughs> he's reading off a script like, hey, thanks to everybody who's made a difference. And the media ripped him for his opening press conference. Ripped him. And they were like, There's this, the level of skepticism was so ridiculous. And then the Eagles started 2-5 and five last year. And Nick did not waver. He doubled down on what he believes in. He talked about how, you know, the seeds under the ground, their roots are growing and they're forming and they're building foundation. And everybody was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and then and then the Eagles, you know, turned the season around, reached the postseason, and then proceeded to just destroy in the offseason. So, and now this is a football team that is to be reckoned with, not only now, but they've got the Saints' first-round draft pick. They've got extra picks in the, in the till. They're going to have a lot of cap room. They've got a lot of young players signed. There'll be some tough decisions to make, but the foundation is is here to be a really good football team. And I think Nick has all the makings of a of a truly great head coach. Peterson's not doing too bad now in Jacksonville. Yeah, and you know, here's Pretty what's interesting for him. The owner, the owner Jeffrey Lurie, bought the team in '94, first season '95, fired Rich Cotite, or Rich Cotite's contract expired. Yeah. Since then, okay, every coach that he's hired, everyone. Ray Rhodes, Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, everyone has made the playoffs. It's pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, this and the Saints have appreciated some of those playoff visits in one way or another as well. One last question about a former Saints player that I still think it was a troll job by the Eagles. Oh, Ian Book, how's he doing these days? <laughs> you having um, a good time? Yeah, I mean, Ian's, Ian's been as quiet as a church mouse, hopefully getting better. You know, I, I can't comment really on what he's done because he's not played. He wasn't here in the preseason. A lot of curiosity when, when Jalen went down. I mean, there's a possibility, of course, that Jalen doesn't play on Sunday and Ian Book for the second week in a row is, is the backup quarterback, is one play away from playing. So, guys, you tell me, if Ian Book is on the field on Sunday, what can Eagles fans expect from him? It's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> he only played in one game for the Saints, and the it Monday was the game. COVID yeah. game against Miami oh, when was everyone was out. But it, it just it struck me as a troll job when they when they signed him because it's like, why are you why are you using a waiver claim on on a guy who's going to be third string quarterback? But yeah, he's a good guy. Well, yeah, but you know the thing is, like Minshew, Gardner Minshew will be a free agent after the year, and yeah. the, the idea is that so so you're always trying to develop that next step. And I really feel like the Eagles have uh, an excellent balance of addressing the now and also keeping one eye into the future and uh, look that's why this team has been as good as it's been for many many years here um 17 playoff appearances i think in the in the 2000s third in in the nfl during that time that's pretty darn good well ian book was definitely a peyton pick he liked his whole his whole makeup his moxie is a winner at notre dame kind of thing uh but yeah we never really 
it wasn't fair the situation obviously a monday night that he was thrown into but there were just a lot of times in in training camp where you were questioning some of his decision making kind of thing and but nothing you wouldn't expect from a young quarterback but i felt there was just more negatives than any real positives you saw during that time well so if he plays we'll expect a lot of makeup and a lot of moxie yes yeah, so right and probably He's, a lot of handoffs <laughs> my my career ceiling for Ian Book is Chase uh, Chase Daniel. Boy, if he right. can have a career like Chase Daniel, he'll take dude, it. This guy's right. been in the league for what uh, forty five years. He's probably made like, <laughs> like it. Three hundred yeah. three hundred million dollars or something. Jeez, he's I'd made, love he's probably like made about as many million dollars as he has pass attempts. Like That's great. Hey, I'll take I'll take that career any right. day of the week. Amen. <laughs> All right, so, I'll yeah. let one one more thing, and then we'll cut you loose. Sure. Um, okay, what's your prediction for this game? Do you think the Eagles win in a romp? Do you think this is kind of a replay of the Giants game a few weeks back? Because that's kind of what I anticipate. I think. I, don't the, know, I, I think the Saints. Are, I think the Saints are that kind of team that is always in the game. They're really tough. They're very physical. Um, I can't ignore a defense that hasn't given up more than twenty points since I think November 9th. So um, I think it'll be a really tough game. I, I certainly think the Eagles will win the football game. Um, and then people in Philly can exhale and look forward to a really fun playoff run. But I mean, because after the loss to Dallas, everybody in Philly is on pins and needles and sure. wondering about this team. They're going, they're cra- well, how could the power rankings have changed so much? The Eagles went to Dallas and lost by six points with the backup quarterback. How come they're not the number one team in the power? Not that the Eagles give a crap about that, but the fans certainly do. So I do expect the Eagles to win the game. I just think there's a lot of firepower here. There's a lot of um, urgency, a lot of conviction. They know how important it is to win on Sunday. It's the first game home after three straight road games. I think the fans will be fired up, and I think the Eagles will be extremely, extremely emotional and and geared up to play this game. See, that's one right there. You know, a lot of Saints fans are always critical of the NFL or whatever, however the schedule shakes out. But late in the season, back-to-back-to-back road games, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, it was tough, and uh, but the Eagles won two out of three, uh, built up a nice three-game lead in the NFC East and in the NFC, so uh, they're in a really good position, and they would like to end the suspense on Sunday, and so that's the way the Eagles want to ring in 2023. Yeah, New Year's Day, going to be a good one. Saints-Eagles for the third season in a row in Philadelphia. We've been talking to Dave Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Check it out. Thanks so much, Dave. You've been very informative, and uh, – well, I, I normally I would say stay warm, but it's, I don't want to say that these days. Yeah, it's beautiful, guys. And thank you so much for having me and have a happy and healthy and safe new year to everyone. And we'll see you on Sunday. You too. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, so the Eagles sound kind of like me as a UConn fan right now. UConn men's basketball, 14 and 0. Yeah, uh, you can't stop us. Well, like, no, they feel like I do in the sense that this is a 14-0 team and I have nothing to complain about. So I'm going to sit here and complain about the fact that they're number two in the country when they are obviously the best team in the country, just like the Eagles fans are complaining about their power rankings. It can never be all golden and, you know, puppy dogs and sunshine. You got to find something to complain about. I want puppy dogs and sunshine, though. You do, but you don't. You're, everybody's got that little curmudgeon in them. They want to pick apart everything. Oh, I'm very much a curmudgeon, but I still like puppy dog. Anyway, okay, that's going (laughs) to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Steve hates puppies. That's all all he has to say. I'm just looking for more puppies and rainbows.
Yeah, we, we know the truth. All right. Everyone hit the subscribe button. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve and, and berate him for being a dog hater over at Steve Geller, WWL. Check out the latest news, notes, and analysis on WWL.com and every day on Sports Talk, 48 p.m., WWL AM, 870 FM, 105.3, and always free on the Odyssey app. Download it as a good time. You can subscribe to our podcast there, too. It works, I promise. And if it doesn't work, I didn't ever said that. All right. Steve, do you have any parting words? No, getting ready for a new year and hopefully another win. You said no, and then you said them anyway. That was just something I had to come up with off the, the cuff to sign off with. Yeah, you need to come up with a like a stay classy San Diego or something. <laughs> I'm All right, y'all. Steve Geller. Be easy, y'all. Peace. Peace.